Good evening and welcome to Global Digest with myself, Lebanon Ambisi, and of course, Davis Ayega. Um, our usual uh, co-host, Irene, is away on leave. We wish her well. She'll be back in something like two weeks, but it's okay. Um, today, we have, um, it's one of those interesting days where you actually have a topic that keeps on developing as you're talking. And we will be looking at the judiciary. Is it under attack or is someone has is it is the independence of the judiciary still there or are we supposed to just now move on from where we are we are also looking at president ruto and the cabinet retreat that he has uh, summoned um sometime this uh, this month next month uh, next month February, thank you davis yes. <laughs> thank you davis and of course the last topic is um in regards to the regional um regional issues uh, surrounding Somalia and Somaliland and Sudan, RSF and everything that comes with that conversation. Davis, how was your weekend and <laughs> what what are you projecting for the week coming forward? My weekend was great. Uh, <coughs> hello, Laban. It's <coughs> good to be back uh, digesting some of these issues that you've mentioned. Uh, looking forward as we start off the week, uh, more of uh, developments in in regards to matters, the judiciary and the executive and the legislature, especially coming at a time when uh, today was an interesting day, like you've mentioned, that there has been development on this front. We've seen the Chief Justice Martha Kome meeting, although not exclusively with President William Ruto, because we also saw the National Assembly Speaker Moses Wetangula. So clearly this is one story that will get to elicit mixed reactions as we as we commence the week, as we also wait to see what really the, polit the politicians in the arena will get, to, will get to give their feedback and response on this matter. Let us start from that uh, uh, issue exactly. So there was a meeting that was supposed to have happened uh, between the uh, Mata Kome, um, the CJ, and President William Ruto. The thing that everyone has a problem with first was this meeting should never have taken place. Then there was concession. Okay, you can meet. But the venue became a problem until again the president said I'm willing to host you at my house. The question that keeps popping up for everyone is should it have taken place in a neutral venue? You know, up until this afternoon, or better yet, this evening, we were not sure if the meeting was that one meeting that the Chief Justice Martha Kome had requested. But uh, in a dispatch which has been sent to newsrooms uh, uh, citing uh, the State House spokesperson Hussein Mohammed, this is that meeting that the Chief Justice had requested to have with President William Ruto. But interestingly, there was an addition in that meeting. We saw the National Assembly Speaker Moses Wetangula in attendance. We also saw in the videos that have also been shared from State House, there was the Council of Governors Chairperson, mm -hmm. Kitnyaga Governor Anwai Guru. So when you have a look at the content of the statement which has been released by Hussein Mohammed, seemingly it appears it is a win for the judiciary because uh, from that meeting, 
the executive arm of the government, which mm-hmm. is headed by the president and uh, the legislature headed by the National Assembly Speaker, Moses Wetangula, they have all declared in unison that they will support the judiciary's endeavors to uh, make it be efficient. And here is, 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 is the tricky part yes they, they decided they they decided to allocate the judiciary more funds but let's go back to put the public pronouncements the president the deputy president and some of the the, um, the key lieutenants in the president's um party were not talking about funding the judiciary or helping the judiciary get more judges they were actually saying the judiciary has corrupt elements and those corrupt elements are frustrating the what you call it the the president's development agenda yes this meeting if everyone if anyone was listening was supposed to have been that meeting where the president probably was going to say judge davis is the one who i was talking about when i was in wasingishu but now we are being told no we actually came up with is it an, a, a matter of you called a meeting and i came with my own agenda and my own friends if you look at the picture by the way judiciary was outnumbered you know that's the thing uh, that is why for for a couple of weeks now the chief justice martha Kome has been under attack especially from the the people who are uh, in the legal profession we've seen the lawyers who from the onset against the chief justice meeting with president william russo they say that this would really set a bad precedent on the path of undermining the independence of the judiciary but when you look at that statement which was sent by hussein mohammed the name the name corruption has been highlighted almost six times emphasizing that indeed that meeting was about corruption so the big question i think we should be pondering and asking ourselves is whether the chief justice was very vocal about the sustained attacks which were launched by the executive did she bring up this issue and demand from the executive and here case in point the president to come up with a list of the judges whom he accuses of being corrupt and hindering the development of some of his government projects so these are some of the issues that we'll be really looking out for during this week but when you look at that statement again the term the name corruption has been listed five times and the catch here is mm-hmm. the judiciary in the coming days will be allocated more funds so that it can be able to fight corruption better and and, and 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 do more better uh, service delivery to Kenyans let us look at what um the opposition leader has said and what Ahmed Nasir have, have, has said um in regards to when they had that meeting was taking place at state house nairobi Raila Odinga, the opposition leader, said the meeting at State House was irresponsible and compromises the judiciary. Um, in in a cheeky way, uh, Ahmed Nasir, um, the the lawyer who has been kicked out of uh, from appearing in front of um, the Supreme Court, had a similar a similar um, conversation when the judiciary issued a statement in their defense in courts. They said that the meeting is actually a meeting that has happened has happened before and it's a meeting that they termed uh, an yearly head, heads of arms summit i actually tried to search that for that summit you know before before this statement came out that most majority of us were were clearly 
meant to believe that this was an exclusive meeting between the president and the chief justice Martha Kome. Yes. But later on, like you've mentioned, we were informed that it's the annual heads of arms summit that uh, that brought that brought on board other leaders the Moses Wetangula, the Kirinyaga governor Anwai Guru and also a couple of I, I think I saw the cabinet secretary for interior professor yes. Kithure Kindiki and other leaders uh, the AG was there yes so it brings us back to to the to the other to the first question should the venue have been state house Nairobi or and should we have had more people around that conversation because when you talk about um, when you talk about the judicial the criminal justice system you're not just talking about the judiciary you're not just talking about the judges you have the DPP there you have the DCI the in the law enforcement agencies they were missing but if you're going to say oh Kindiki was there interior cabinet secretary he's replacing all these people there are people who are going to say, wait, IG is supposed to act on his own. So is DCI. And so is DPP. So where were, where were their seats in that room? I think that goes just to show you that the Chief Justice Martha Komo was not driving this agenda. As much as, yes, she called a meeting with the president, she would have advocated for a neutral ground. And it's one of the issues that the Azimio leader, Raila Odinga, has taken issue with because... Going to state house in itself, it means that you're in somebody else's territory and that person has the latitude to control that narrative, to determine what the outcomes of that meeting. So I think on this part, I think the Chief Justice Martha Kome failed, not unless she comes out and tells us there will be another meeting exclusively between her and the president. But we will wait and see. But I think in the meantime, from that document again that was dispatched to us, from the judiciary's point of view, I think it's a win because when you, when you, when 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 you get to be told, when you when they get to be told that they they will be allocated more funds, I think this is one of the areas that ju the judiciary has been very vocal about. They Davis. need more funds to, to to do their job. Davis. Yes, please. The one thing, if you look at the president's speech in parliament um, and on national days, whenever he's mentioning the judiciary, he's always boasting of the fact that he's the, he's the first president to, to, to implement the judiciary fund, implementation fund or something of that nature, something, a fund that should, should give the judiciary more independence. What more money are you talking about? I think that's the thing. Is was it is it an incentive for the judiciary to be able to rule in the executive's favor going forward? Is this one of the issues that really the Chief Justice Martha Kome will get to speak to her junior staff and advise them, not not really advise them, but request them to be able to be more favorable when it comes to some of the rulings rulings which are issued against the executive. So it will be an interesting uh, it will be interesting times ahead to see how the courts will behave, especially now coming at a time when the when the executive and the legislature have committed to allocate more funds to this, the judiciary. Let me tell you what this reminds me of. This reminds me of what used to happen when I was um, in, 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 in campus or something of that nature. You'd invite a girl out and then she'd come with her buddies <laughs> and then the bill would be on you. The agenda has been stolen here. And unfortunately, uh, Martha Kome probably did not know that is what is going to happen. You know, the difference between Martha Kome and her predecessor, Math uh, David Maraga, is that... Her two predecessors. Yes, especially Maraga. 
Martha Kome is not so combative when it comes to being vocal about the need to defend the independence of the judiciary. So even as she called for that meeting between her and the president, I think she was not very sure on what exactly will unfold during that meeting. Like you've correctly used that analogy, it's like she was invited for a date and then she has ended she's up... She's the one who said, I am willing, yes, I am willing to meet she, you. She initiated the yes. date. And then the president, speaking in Wasingishu, said, I accept. However, I, am, I will be bringing along Weta. When we knew, he's, he only said Weta. He never mentioned Weta Angula, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Speaker of the National Assembly. Correct. We never knew he was, she, he was going to add on um, the Attorney General. And mind you, the Attorney General also sits in, um, what do you call it, the JSC, Judicial Service Commission. Correct. So, in a way, he's kind of a, a double agent. I still have this feeling that when the doors were closed, it's when the CJ realized I'm outnumbered in this room. The judiciary does not have the numbers because it was herself, the, the DCJ, um, Philomena Mwilu, and then the acting um, chief registrar of the judiciary. Correct. And behind her, it was, um, what do you call them? Watu Mkono wa Rais. Yes. On that other side of the table, she's seeing the, the president, but on this other side, it's totally the executive. Totally. I agree because I think during that meeting, she must have felt somewhat intimidated. That's why I have a problem when you're saying for her, she has won. She has won in terms of uh, the judiciary needs some money to do its work properly because when you look at that statement part of those funds will be directed to recruiting i think 25 judges of the high court and 11 uh, new judges of the court of appeal so clearly this will go a long way in expediting justice to many kenyans who are seeking for justice that is on that front mm -hmm. just on that in that room there is someone who is a very close is a very good friend of yours <laughs> um uh, mr justin muturi <laughs> yes, who at one point has actually, um, he's actually someone who helps um, journalists understand some things on how things are done. Correct. And one of the things is he usually would tell you that parliament is the one that allocates funds. The National Treasury will say, give XYZ, parliament allocates those funds. So the executive and this meeting that took place today promised X amount of money to the judiciary so that it can be done. That money has not yet been allocated in the budget as it stands. So unless you're bringing a supplementary, I think that, I is, th that is just another part of what the president is, 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 is famous for, I think issuing promises. I think presently, on the other hand of the spectrum, we can say that this is a carrot that they dangled to the judiciary, to Chief Justice Martha Kome, that yes, we can give you funds, we can fund you, provided, I think the condition was never, the condition was never and can never be put in that statement that you rule in our favor. So I think this is one of the areas that uh, legal observers and lawyers and interested parties will be keen to observe mm -hmm. going forward on how the courts will be ruling on, especially on some of the, on, on some of the contentious issues that are being brought up brought forward by the executive but let's I start with last week we had the health issue the health um, insurance fund 
the court of appeal all of a sudden decided okay government you can continue housing fund is supposed to be coming up i think in january 27th correct now if you if that one also the 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 courts decide government can continue doing as it pleases my question and probably everyone's question as a kenyan is will everyone get a meeting with the cj if they if they can marshal a number of people to to shout or to to s- to look like they are addressing a number of people and say i am dissatisfied with the judiciary will they get uh, audience with the cj and will the cj be willing to go and to use your words request the judges to to play ball I think that is one of the drawbacks when it comes to this meeting and if there will be any future meetings in the future because what today's meeting has done is it is, is, is that it has set a bad precedent of 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 people who will get to be disgruntled in the future will get to have will seek an audience with the chief justice so this will in a way blur the lines between the independence of the judiciary and its potential subordination to the executive so what really chief justice martha kome should be very keen on is and ensure that such meetings in the future do not recur because the meeting was brought forward because of the sustained attacks by the executive so if for example tomorrow or the day after members of the legislature also start their onslaught against the judiciary mm-hmm. will chief justice martha kome call for a meeting between her and moses wetangula and the senate speaker amason kingi so these are some of the questions really that uh, she should be concerned about and i think going forward there needs to be mechanisms on how some of these issues get to be addressed not necessarily between the people involved having a sit down because at the end of the day we need to ensure that the independence of the judiciary is upheld we need to ensure that the executive does not meddle with the independence of the judiciary and also we need to ensure that the legislature does not uh, does not do what does not uh, dangle such carrots of allocating more funds so that they can be able to have their uh, bills uh, not uh, stalled at the court okay and on that note let us take a short break we'll be back in a minute And welcome back to Global Digest with myself Laban Onambisi and Davis Ayega still talking about the meeting between the judiciary the executive and the legislature. The bigger question um Davis is during the um, during her, her, her nomination uh, her vetting one of the things that came up um particularly for Chief Justice Martha Kome is her willingness to reach across the table and try to bring people together maybe the question that we would ask is for her does she find this as something out of the ordinary i think not 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 necessarily because during the vetting by the judicial service commission you remember very well she said it is not about it's not a beauty contest mm-hmm. the talks that she'll be having with members of the executive and the legislature will be primarily be focused on ensuring that there is harmony in government and that the people of Kenya get to be the real 
benefactors of 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 development and such issues so this is what she had to say when she appeared before that panel when the CJ is seen with the president, they are discussing matters on administration of justice, that everybody is responsible. It's not a beauty contest who serves Kenya better than the executive, the judiciary. We are all in it. So if the judiciary is failing, the economy is failing because disputes are not being resolved. The president gets affected and everybody gets affected. My, my, my question keeps coming back. When I'm going to the judiciary, it is not because I want I want the executive to fail. It is because I feel that a decision that has been taken or uh, something that has been done, it's, uh, it's affecting me negatively and my voice was not heard. So I'm going to the judiciary as an independent arbiter to listen to my side and listen to the executive side. But what we are getting now, it's if the executive doesn't feel like the judiciary has 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 ruled in its favor, then it will it will cry, it will cry foul, and the judiciary will br will tell him come to the table, come to the table, let us have a, a conversation. Meanwhile, Mimi Mtumnyonge, I don't have the powers to 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 tell the CJ, can I meet you so that I also tell you my problems. I think for Chief Justice Martha Kome, it got to a point where she realized the sustained attacks will get to affect her members of the members of the judiciary and the junior staff in the judiciary. So I think even as she was going into this meeting, she was very informed of the need to have a dialogue and communication and to have transparency and accountability and resolving some of the specific issues that were raised by the, the executive. So I think that was her main agenda when she was going into this meeting because when you look at chief justice martha Kome, from the onset she's not that combative chief justice mm -hmm. who will get really to call the media and speak against some of these things she spoke about it but not in the manner that you would expect a chief justice would really speak so hard and be vocal about the need for the independence of the judiciary to, to be uphold. So I think going forward, we'll be able to watch what the president will be saying and, the, and, and, and also the Chief Justice Martha Kome will be, will be watching their statements, their words, and also the junior staff of the judiciary, especially on, on some of the rulings that will come out of the courts that affect the executive. I would want a full disclosure of the full meeting, like a full printout of what exactly happened. At le I think for every Kenyan, it will be it will be worth our while to just know that if at some point the president actually issued uh, give out some names or mentioned some names. Remember, the deputy president was supposed to have gone to court last week on Thursday, but said out of respect of this conversation that is about to take place, I will not do it. But I would want to see a full disclosure from both from whoever was was acting as the secretariat in that meeting. Give make it public. Let I us. Th I think. I think. Let us just know to avoid speculation. I think many Kenyans would also love to know exactly on the fuller details of that meeting because what many Kenyans are concerned about. Kenyans and leaders is whether the independence of the judiciary now going forward has it been 
affected? Will we, will we see a weakened judiciary that is that is able to rule in favor of the executive, mm-hmm. regardless of any issue? So once that once those details really come out in full, we'll be able Kenyans will be able to determine if indeed the judiciary has been compromised and if Chief Justice Martha Kome has the ability and the capacity to be still the head of that. Uh, that that arm of government because even when you listen to lawyers speak we saw the law society of kenya president eric theory speak who and he was very categorical that this meeting between the president and 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 the chief justice martha kome is ill-advised because uh it will in the long run affect on how the judiciary will be able to conduct itself and this is what he had to say the arms of state need to function in harmony. They only function in harmony when they keep to their lanes and do what Kenyans commanded them to do within the constitution. That is the harmony Kenyans want. Not the <laughs> smile to me, look good, but that's not what Kenyans want. Kenyans want harmony created by each arm of state and its agents doing the work Kenyans mandated them to do through the constitution. If she was to succumb to this uh, threats and intimidation and agree to meet the executive, we will be uh, we will begin to examine the conduct of the chief justice to actually determine whether she is the right person to hold that office are they sitting to discuss how to deal with those corrupt judges are they saying that there are inadequate mechanisms within our law to deal with those issues and so we find that there can only be one end to this discussion an end towards deal making and end towards subverting uh, the constitution. Credits, of course, to Citizen TV for those two clips of Eric Theory, the LSK chairman, and uh, Bobby Mukangi. The first um, part of the vote, yes. Yeah. Um, the, the, he was pan, a member of the committee of experts that gave us our 2010 constitution. And Davis, we are shifting gears but still staying in the in the corridors of um, of justice as it were and someone who is who who claims he cannot get justice in the Kenyan courts now has moved all the way to Arusha and that is uh, Grand Mullah or Ahmed Nasir Abdullahi as um, he's known officially after he was banned by the Supreme Court from appearing before it and his law firm also the bigger question, and, and it's something that the LSK president asked, is uh, the Supreme Court or the judiciary now a purveyor of justice? You know, the suspension of the Grand Muller from appearing before it is really unprecedented. In the, in the history of the Kenyan judicial system, the Apex Court has never exercised its power to render such an action against a lawyer. So for Grand Muller to be subjected to that, I think it's one big drastic step that the Supreme Court took. And uh, when you when, when you read that ruling that was signed by the Registrar of the Court, they accused Grand Muller of uh, let me let me let me look for the exact quote. They accused him of scandalizing the court and the judges of the Supreme Court. Hence barring him permanently from appearing before it and his associates in, in his law firm. So I think this is one of the issues that has really unified the lawyers in the country because they have come out strongly to, 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 to speak against this judgment, which I think it will be very interesting to see how it goes because really I was trying to look on 
to 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 look at some of the legal provisions that maybe the court had uh, used to exercise in rendering this decision but i found none i found none because really the the law is very clear mm-hmm. that a lawyer can only be permanently barred from appearing before the supreme court in the event of professional misconduct contempt of court gross incompetence and sound mind conflict of interest just but name a few davis do you know what i like is the way you have actually juggled the you have used so many words <laughs> to try and find w- what exactly will fit what the supreme court has rendered if i can say you started by ruling you went to judgment went to decision but then you came to the biggest um if i can use the ele- the biggest elephant in the room how exactly did the judicial did the supreme court get to this um to this de- to this decision let's use the word decision because was there a sitting like you know that's the big question we we and uh, yes and one of the things that um Ahmed Nasir is actually asking and even the law society of Kenya is asking is was Ahmed Nasir given the opportunity to was he given the the right to fair hearing was he allowed to come before the supreme court in whatever sitting to actually say to actually respond to the allegations clearly not he was given from his responses and his colleagues in the legal profession he wasn't accorded one and over the years grand muller is one that lawyer who has established himself as a prominent lawyer appearing in numerous high profile cases mm-hmm. before the supreme court and in his practice he has gained recognition for his eloquence sharp legal mind and fierce representation of his clients but over time he developed a reputation for criticizing the judges especially those sitting at the high, at the supreme court some would say bullying <laughs> be that as it may whichever <laughs> word you choose to apply yeah. but i think it is this constant criticism of ease against the judges especially martha come 3 years into office hamman nasir has been very critical of the leadership of chief justice martha come he has accused her of enabling graft in the system and this is one such thing i think it it does not sit well with martha come and i think it is it is her who initiated this decision i tend to believe she she spoke with her colleagues at the bench and she said that maybe this is high time we get to permanently block this individual from appearing before us because he's now and again proved to be You see that's that's the reason why I said we need to know how this whole thing started because I remember during the presidential petition the the, the Supreme Court had to come out um and actually issue warnings to everyone who was making um statements that could portray the the, the Supreme Court as being as having either taken sides or like they have already made a decision on some things but the bigger question is okay so number one, he says he, he cannot depend on the kenyan the kenyan courts because they are too cor- they are corrupt already so now he's going to arusha you know this the thing you remember the other time we were arguing we were debating in the event he had decided to lodge an appeal in the kenyan judicial system you i remember you told me that chief justice martha come would be required to appear before could be a commission or a court to give evidence as to why really the supreme court had 
taken that decision. So I think this is one of the things that he considered that he'll never get justice in the Kenyan judicial system and that is why he's decided to look for other avenues outside the Kenyan system. But I think his issue raises fundamental issues about the freedom of speech in the country and mm -hmm. and when it comes to respecting uh, the authorities for in, for in this case in point the judiciary because article 34 of the constitution clearly stipulates that freedom of speech is entitled to every Kenyan mm -hmm. and every Kenyan has uh, their right to say whatever he or she has in their mind so i think here it's one of the issues that has really exposed the judiciary especially the supreme court i think if you actually go back to the first topic where we we were talking about the president making allegations about um judges being being corrupt and this one technically the question that keeps arising is freedom of speech where does it end like is there a mark where you are not supposed to go to go past um they usually say your right ends where my right begins the constitution has not explicitly or even in its entirety when it when you look at that provision the constitution has not given such occasions where the freedom of speech can be limited because it really expi explicitly explicitly talks about you and i getting to share our opinion regardless of any subject and to whom do you know who usually gets the um, the, the mandate to, to to determine constitutional matters it's the high court now in this case the high court would actually have to deal with um a decision that an upper court had actually given in whichever form and that is why i would have preferred if you would have brought it to the kenyan to the kenyan context which by the way him going to arusha was was out of character for him because he usually likes those those um landmark um landmark agenda setting um um court cases this one would have been one of them whereby the high court again after um, after i think the 2013 presidential election um some of the some of the ruling some of the issues that were cited in that case the high court ended up reversing some of them and this would have been for ahmed nasir a, a, um, a chance for him to show that the kenyan system works but anyway since he's decided but to him, go to arusha yeah, him, him taking his case to arusha it clearly tells his supporters and uh, uh, members of the public that he, he does not have faith in the kenyan judicial uh, justice system him getting to sustain that narrative that indeed the judicial kenya's judicial system is corrupt and the chief justice must do better to weed out the corrupt judges so but his his one of his biggest problem is the person you're saying it should be in charge of weeding out people the cj is one of his biggest problems he says the cj has not um has not uh, sat on that seat and showed that she's the cj you know that's the thing because even earlier he had tweeted he had asked the president to demand from the chief justice mm -hmm. timelines for fighting corruption at the judiciary so will chief justice martha come respond to him indirectly or directly we wait and see but i think uh i don't know who will get to convince him but the chief justice in her ways is doing everything that she can 
to make the system better, to make the system work, to make Kenyans get to be to get service delivery efficiently. So I think this is one of the issues really that the meeting that was done today between the president and other leaders and the Chief Justice Martha Kome, we need to see what will pan out in the coming days mm. if 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 we'll be able to see a re energized judiciary that is either working in favor of the executive or it could be emboldened to go to, to so that it can be able to uphold its integrity going forward the independence and its integrity going forward okay moving on to the next topic that um again just revolves around the presidency so now there's going to be a retreat a cabinet retreat another one of those um in the more in whenever we are doing um what you call it beyond the headlines with sony on uh, capital in the morning the one thing that she doesn't like me talking about is how government works and one of the things is now a cabinet retreat is supposed to be in the offing you said next Next month. Next month. But the date hasn't been uh, communicated, yes. but it should be next month. It comes at a very unique time, unlike the other one, which came at a time where the president could easily walk into the room and, and, and read the riot act on every, on every CS and PS. This time, it's actually the president who, who has red flags being raised against him. Exactly. The it, I think it will be the second retreat of the cabinet and it will come at a time when the president, President William Bruto, is concerned about the slow progress on the campaign promises and overall government performances because really it's, al- it's almost, almost clocking now two years mm-hmm. and uh, Kenyans are, are, are still struggling to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. There is the issue of the high cost of living, one of the issues that he was really vocal about and bullish and grand during the campaigns that once elected he will bring heaven on earth but things are seemingly not going on his way because when you look at the pollster there are two pollster farms which have been doing uh, which have been doing uh, surveys on how kenyans are feeling about this regime there's the info truck and tifa and when you look at the last info truck report which has which was released today 73 of Kenyans are struggling to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And then there's another survey which it did on the president's and his cabinet's performance uh, sometime last year in December. They ranked President William Ruto's 2023 performance with a deep lane with an approval rating of 47%. His deputy, Rigadi Gashagwa, scored an E reflective of 36%. His cabinet secretaries scored D which is 43%. So really, this should be a red flag when it comes to him and him planning for this retreat. If you remember, Davis, when we had this conversation, and by that time we were still at Londro, and we... we kept blaming his CSs. Yes, his CSs are not performing. His CSs are the ones who are letting him down. His CSs don't understand the, the mandate, the what their ministries are supposed to be doing and even we quoted him at some point saying i know a lot uh, i know a lot of things about some ministries than the css in this case if you actually look at the grading that you've just read they're saying the problem is not your css it's can we now just look at what have you done 
you know when you're leading a group of people and uh, before you get to evaluate their performances you yourself are p- performing poorly then that should tell you a lot on your leadership styles on how you are really steering that ship so i think for this retreat you will also be looking at himself on how he's been handling some of these issues but does he need a retreat to do that he needs to be told if if there are courageous and bold cabinet secretaries and principal no. secretaries who will stand and tell him by the way you have been micromanaging us and let us do, let us do our jobs and i think it will be a starting point for him maybe to Davis, do Davis, if you ha- if you are running a company <laughs> I doubt there is someone who would stand up and tell you by the way Mr Boss you have been ma- micromanaging us allow us to do our business there there are always such people who have the courage to do to to utter such words but and I th- it's my only hope that we do have a few of those cabinet secretaries who will get probably to tell him the uh, truth y- if you are to ask me I, I would think probably Moses Korea if he gets to do that then I think it will be it will be saving grace for him and the nation yeah the the reason why i picked on moses korea is um a couple of weeks ago he decided that there was going to be something that he called the government roadshow now the plain understanding of a roadshow is you're actually going out and you're supposed to meet the people that you're serving only for us to come and realize that he was going to boardrooms of individual ministries and those ministries the minister the CSAs PSAs and all the senior um, ranking officials would sit in a boardroom and tell them tell him what they have done what they have not done and then a statement would be released now my only problem was what is so different about what they did in that boardroom and what a CS does when they are in cabinet because it's almost the same thing you know you know that is i think th- those are some of the issues that will be highlighted during this cabinet retreat where the individual cabinet secretaries will get to pinpoint some of their achievements and failures but before we get to look at some of the failures and achievements which have been made by these cabinet secretaries there's the other pollster tifa mm-hmm. that conducted the poll on the performance of the president william ruto's government and president although this one never awarded never gave a score for the president and members of this uh, cabinet they awarded the president of achieving much in protecting forests supporting agriculture combating pollution and contamination encouraging tourist and investment in tourism but on the other hand he failed terribly introducing the debt donor financial dependence reducing corruption creating jobs reducing the cost of living so from where i see it i think these are some of the issues that will be focused on during that cabinet retreat and on that same pollster also ranked the cabinet secretaries in order so professor kithure kindiki of interior ministry was ranked the best and then followed by musalia mudavadi who was recently last year was in month of october elevated to the position of uh, cs foreign affairs mm-hmm. and then we have the minister of education ezekiel machogo and then we have susana homincha of health and kipchumba murkomen of transport when you look at that survey tifa said they used uh, the attributes used to compute the overall scores were pegged on awareness uh, how well do Kenyans know these cabinet secretaries and then there's issue of the trust 
the CS, can the CS deliver on their mandate, then the issue of visibility, communications, what their ministry is doing, then commitment, addressing issues facing Kenyans, then issues, resolution actively, uh, straightening issues in the ministry, and then finally transparent, transparent, honest and open about issues facing ministries. So even as that retreat is coming up, I think the people who need to be, the people who are having it hard, they are uneasy about this retreat, are the cabinet secretaries who, according to this pollster, although President William Ruto and his deputy mm-hmm. are always very dismissive about these pollsters, they don't believe in them, but I think the people who will go into this retreat with a lot of uneasiness, we have the five best last cabinet secretaries we have davis Chirchir, who uh, is uh, closing that list of energy and petroleum we have aisha jumua of gender we have professor jugunandung of national treasury we have my favorite cs <laughs> zakaraya njeru who has moved to a, to another ministry but still yeah he's not performing water only, and sanitation yes only one job and then <laughs> to bring water to people i mean we have been experiencing el nino but have you ever seen Zakaria and <laughs> Move on. Uh-huh. Continue. And then we have Ali Swahomi of Lands and Housing. So I think these are the five cabinet secretaries who will, who are really about oh, unease about uh, this retreat. Because you remember even after their first retreat, mm-hmm. there was a mini cabinet reshuffle mm-hmm. that was primarily inf- inf- informed by the performance of... Uh, of, of the cabinet uh, secretaries during that first cabinet treat. So even this one, I think we we highly anticipate mm. that there is a highly likelihood that there will be another uh, reshuffle in cabinet. You know and f- this time round, we mm. are likely to see some people go home. You know the interesting thing about the bottom five that you've just read? Most of them are on the promises that the president made. Um, uh, from Davis Churchill de- dealing with high cost of living, then the, the yeah mm-hmm. um, petroleum yes. and everything, everything that basically leads to high cost of living. Uh, to Alice Wahome, Alice Wahome, she's now the CS in charge of the, affo- the affordable housing project. Yeah. So if that is not happening, you know you are you are in deep problems. But something that grabbed my my attention. Um, while we were preparing for this show was also the fact that um, Taifa Leo was last week reporting that it had gotten wind of some CSs who had offered to resign because they didn't feel like they were doing they were doing any better they were doing the country a service and they were they were feeling um, they were feeling uh, they were unsatisfied with the with the state of affairs you know that's the thing because on august on august was it first last year the cabinet secretaries and principal secretaries signed performance uh performance contract yeah mm-hmm. and i think in this contract each of the individual css and pss yeah. were given tasks to meet in in regards to ensuring that the government is aligned to the promises that it gave Kenyans during the campaigns. So I think the pressure is there. Uh, It it would not be unique for some members of the cabinet, for members of the executive to resign because of the unmet uh, demands and needs coming from the president. So we only wait and see. But what I can guarantee you and what I'm sure of is that there will be another reshuffle. And this time around, the president will have to let go of some members of his cabinet who, in his opinion, are not doing better 
to elevate his status as that of an individual who's trying to make the lives that the the lives of millions of Kenyans bearable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, moving on now across the borders, um, <laughs> of course, to one of the CSs that you said um, has done very well in the sense of trying to. Uh, cool down the tempers or the tensions around diplomatic tensions around around our, our international borders, i.e., um, the foreign cap- foreign affairs cabinet secretary um, Musalia Mudavadi has had to actually be his. If you are if you are doing a cartoon, he would be that character who's carrying a bucket of water, running around trying to put out fires in various huts. Um, last week, he had to deal with Tanzania. Um, threatening to to stop Kenya Airways from yeah, flying to yeah. to to Da, and then this week uh, there were reports that again Kenya is just Kenya just can't play its card its cards right in regards to the region. Uh, key in point would be Sudan, yeah, and of course um, Somalia. Somalia. Now in comes an entity called IGAD, um, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development. And it came out and said, well, looking at this whole scenario, we also have things to say. Leaving media in Kenya to say, look, Kenya is, is, is at diplomatic war with everyone in the country. But your favorite CS, second favorite CS after <laughs> Jeru, had something to say about it. You know, that's the thing. Before, the difference between... Mudavadi and the other holder who is in that office now, the Tourism Cabinet Secretary Alfred Mutua, is that I think Mudavadi really understands the importance of truthful communication, intentional communication. Mm -hmm. I think that is what distinguishes him from the other holder, Alfred Mutua, who is in the tourism uh, docket. But I think as a country, uh, Mudavadi spoke over the weekend. He gave assurances that Kenya is not interested in meddling in other countries' affairs, and this is what he had to say. Kwa hivyo nataka niombe tu wale ambao wanaandika. Kwa sababu tulikuwa pahali, tukaona oo, wanasema kuna vita imetokea hapa, kuna kasoro hapa, kuna kasoro hapa. Please, media, there is no problem with our neighbors insofar as Kenya is concerned, and if there are any issues, they are normally solved diplomatically. If there are any issues, they are normally solved diplomatically. That's what he said. And that's where most uh, news news articles decided to pick. um, Because when you have um, Sudan recalling its ambassador because you have decided, uh, Kenya has decided to host for this reason for 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 this argument a rebel leader in other pa- in other in other parts of the world he would have been called a rebel leader the rsf um chief and he's given audience with the president i don't know how how would you not call that a diplomatic tiff you know that's the thing because from the point of view of the sudan uh, army leader mm-hmm. uh there's that issue of neutrality because President William Ruto, who I believe is the current chair of IGAD, uh, from the onset he had given intentions of mediating the ongoing conflict in Sudan. But when it got to a point of him hosting the RSF leader, the people of Sudan were a bit concerned of the neutrality of Kenya's position because this is one of the things that really 
neutrality is very important when it comes to mediating the Sudan issue because really the Sudan's military coup since back in 2021 there has not been uh, there are no signs of uh, of, of, of it ending anytime soon. And I think IGAD has really been trying so hard mm. to ensure that uh, there is calm and there is peace in that country, even as uh, the whole issue of neutrality uh, being uh, brought forward by the other uh, army chief. But if you actually look at the IGAD meeting in, in Kampala, the RSF uh, gentleman showed up, but the army, army, army leader, the de facto leader of Sudan, didn't show up. He actually boycotted. Because and I think I think I think he has no faith with the IGAD uh, mediation process. Yeah. As he, he he only believes the Saudi Arabia route. So I think that is why IGAD, the leaders, the eight countries, the eight leaders who form the IGAD uh, pact, they need to come out strongly and uh, convince the other leader in Sudan that as much as yes, there has been issues of about neutrality we are in this process and we are helping to ensure that Sudan gets to... But how do you talk to someone who doesn't recognize you? He's the, the de facto leader said, I don't want anything to do with IGAD. I, I will only deal with Saudi Arabia. And the only time he meets with uh, someone who represents the IGAD quartet is when he meets with the Southern Sudan leader. Um, and they have a conversation and that is about it. I think I think I think the question is do you think that the um, the the IGAD, IGAD um fraternity is pushing itself into a conversation that it has not been invited into No I think IGAD has a better as a better hand in handling the matter in Sudan and to a large extension in Somalia because they have a deep understanding of the complex issues that are facing Sudan and Somalia as the opposed to inviting the, the reason other why, players. The reason why um, the de facto leader of Sudan uh, doesn't want William Ruto in that conversation is because William Ruto, in a speech, President William Ruto in a speech, actually said whatever is going on in Sudan is nonsense. They need to stop that nonsense. If two people are fighting, you don't come in, f in, in between and tell them this is nonsense. You try and make it look, take a diplomatic um, standpoint and don't try to belittle. So this guy is the, um, the what you call it, the Sudan's de facto leader maybe felt this, uh, the Kenyan leader has already taken an, uh, a side. Then President William Ruto has some convincing to do. Mm -hmm. He has to convince the leader that his part in this mediation process is because he wants to see Sudan flourish. I think that is the only way he can be able to bring these two leaders at the table and ensure that this long-standing conflict is over in but Sudan. Something else that is telling is the fact that the RSF leader has been roaming around in many African countries and he almost looks like he is the head of state now. I think I think his end game, his strategy is to look for support, mm -hmm. uh, which is slowly gaining. In if if at all the other leader is 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 not very committed to this process, then he will find himself in a very difficult position because this other leader, the RSF leader, would have gained some mileage and momentum in convincing the African leaders that this war, we can win this war if you are on our side. Please remember. African leaders, um, President Ruto being one of them, has always maintained that 
the the person who's supposed to be ruling a country is the person who has been put there by 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 the sovereign vote of the people of that country um if you look at, at niger when there was a coup or any other country that was a coup with the exception of um where is that country where the president was 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 kicked out and then he had to do a, a tiktok video asking people to to make noise that is the only country no one never talked about it but in this case of sudan the the person who's actually supposed to be the leader was actually kicked out no, but i think igad will need to leverage on its uh, credibility and the ability to convene and regional expertise to ensure that the peace talks in sudan really get to come to that point where we get to see tangible results mm-hmm. up until that point i think uh, the war will still continue but given the chance igad i think has a better chance to ensure that the war in sudan gets to come to an end. The other talking point hot potato in the region of course is Somali versus Somaliland. And Igad found itself also having a voice on it and making the same um uh, reaching the same conclusion as the international community i.e. only Somalia can make uh, can 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 reach a d- can decide which part of its boundaries it's going it it can it it's going to sh- to shed off or it's going to reach an agreement on by the fact that uh, somaliland is not recognized as a sovereign nation i think uh, the leaders of the igad had to come out strongly and reject and oppose the deal that was signed between somaliland and uh, ethiopia mm-hmm. so i think this is also another thing that igad needs to be very it needs to assert its authority on ensuring on how this deal between Ethiopia and Somaliland will get to unfold because at the end of the day if that is not resolved then there is high chances of there being another conflict in in uh, of, of there being another conflict arising from that deal because can we'll get to see African countries mm-hmm. siding with either Somali or Somaliland we've seen Egypt already doing it we've seen China do it um I, I c- Somaliland uh, I think it's only Ethiopia but uh, I would understand why Egypt would do it why China would do it but uh, there's still something in the sense that Somaliland has always operated like this um oasis of peace and economic prosperity but now when they 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 have decided let us take it to the next step is when everyone is having a problem Everyone is having a problem Somalia is having a problem because at the end of the day this deal will get to greatly benefit the people of Somaliland because if it goes through uh for the very for a, for the longest time uh Ethiopia has been relying on Djibouti and Eritrea mm-hmm. to do its uh, import and export mar- market so when it comes to this deal we'll be able to see some revenue being generated and uh, to some large extent i think uh, from the details of the deal uh Somaliland will be able to get some proceeds from that deal mm-hmm. when it comes to the import and export market that will be derived from the that part of the Red Sea yeah. in that area. Okay. Yeah. And on that note we come to the end of yet another episode of Global Digest. Next week we are going to be looking at the US elections, a subject that Davis has been has been very passionate about. And we'll be looking at whether Trump whether is it Trump or Biden. Please do join us. Thank you for joining us today.